know, but it's amazing just to be here tonight. It's amazing just to, to speak more about what God wants to do and wants to continue to do through us and in us. Uh, so we're going to start actually by um, looking from verse 17 in chapter 2 of First Thessalonians. So if you do have First Thessalonians, uh, a Bible with you, you can look it up. First Thessalonians from chapter 2 to the end of chapter 3. But we're going to read um, the first, well, the last few verses of chapter 2 and up to verse 6, uh, or five, uh, up to verse 5, sorry, of chapter 3. And it starts, But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are the glory and the joy. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, I could stand it no longer. I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in the same way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. It's our calling to invest in people. It's our calling to love people. It's our calling to show them God, to show them an image of God by the way we live our lives and by what we learn in our lives and what we teach others through our life. We need to actually care what happens to these people. We can't just go out and tell people about Jesus, but not have actually any impact, not have actually any care of what actually is going to happen in their lives. And not only that, we need to care about the people so much that when they hurt themselves, we feel their pain. That whenever they're in a place that, that's sore, a place that's hard, a place that's really uh, difficult, we actually feel it. We know what it's like. We, we, we feel what it's like to be there, to be in that place. So maybe you don't need to, be, need to have gone through the situation that they're going through, but we need to empathize. We need to actually care. And that's what the Apostle Paul is doing here. He's talking about... I long to be with you. I want to be with you. I care about what you're going through. But I can't be there right now. See, the apostles only had a short time with these believers, with these people who decided to choose to follow God. He only had a short time to invest in them before the persecution got that great that they had to leave because their lives were in danger. They actually had to run for their lives. Have you ever had to run for your lives because you loved someone so much that you shared Jesus with them? I don't think any of us have been in that situation where we've actually had to run for our lives. 
I've had to run for my life from a few different things, but you know, but that was all, you know, that's all due to my own making mostly. You know what? They didn't know how it was working out with them. It's not like today's age. You can't, they didn't even really, you know, letters wasn't that easy to actually post in those days. They didn't have the Royal Mail. You can't just put a postcode and a number on it and it'll get to whoever it needs to get to. They definitely didn't have email or Twitter or anything like that. They didn't have social media because literally at the drop of a hat now, I can phone somebody who's literally on the opposite side of the world from me at a drop of a hat. They didn't have that. So they used to, they used to just pray fervently for them. Just pray God's blessing on them. See, we're actually in one of the most connected ages ever. Do you realize that we're, we, we as, a, as a people have never been as connected to the rest of the world as we are now? But we've never been as disconnected emotionally from the rest of the world as we are now. I know groups of people that sit and engage on their phone. There's people all around them and they're complaining about being lonely because the people on their phone aren't with them. And then whenever the people that they're texting on their phone are with them, they're texting somebody else that isn't there, wishing they were there with them. That's the sort of age that we're living in now. We're living in an age where people are so disconnected from each other that they don't really understand what it means to actually be connected to another human being. And this is where we as a church need to be countercultural. This is where we need to actually show them that, you know what, it doesn't matter about phones, it doesn't matter about social media, it doesn't matter about emails or even letters. It matters about connecting with the person you're with. And actually friends of mine come up with a good game when, if you go out for dinner. Everybody's got to put their phone in the middle. And the first person to touch their phone has to pay for the whole meal. So if you lift your phone before the end of the meal, you know, game over. You know, but, but it's a good way because then it means you're actually connecting with the people you're surrounded by. Everybody walks past each other now and doesn't really, we don't even acknowledge each other, each other exists. Because we're always worried about everybody that isn't there. That's why it's one of the most connected generations, but the most disconnected generation, because it's so superficial. The connection is just superficial. Their hearts need to be with them. Our hearts need to be with the people that we connect with. That's why we need to genuinely connect with them. We even, I remember back in the, whenever I, even I was young, before the, the real social media age kicked in, everybody used to say, oh, I'll be with you in spirit. And the thing is, that's actually, it's, it's a really good saying. And it's a really bad saying. Because but to be with someone in spirit means, yes, you're, you're there with them and you're journeying with them. That's the good part of it. But the bad part of it is it means you're not actually there. It means you're not actually physically with them, journeying with them. And this is the longing that Paul had. He was saying, my heart's there, my heart's with you, but I'm not actually physically there. And because of that, his heart was broken. Too often we use that phrase, but our heart isn't actually broken that we're not there. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand the heart behind that? Yeah, it's really hard. 
See, sometimes we forget that life is a battle. Life is a battle that we all face. We all have to face up to this battle daily. That's why in Ephesians 6, whenever it encourages us to put on the armor of God, so that after doing everything to stand, we can still stand. Because we've put on the armor of God, because we're in a daily battle. And that battle is raging against our busyness. You, can, you realize you can be so busy doing things that you don't actually connect with people. I realized that a long time ago, that I ended up being so busy actually doing stuff for people that I didn't really know the people I was doing it for. Because all I did was want to, I just wanted to help them so much, I didn't know them. I just seen the need and thought the need was the main thing that needed to be met. When that wasn't the, the main thing that needed to be met, they had a much deeper emotional need, need for somebody to journey with them, to be with them. See, this is where we need to remember the battles we are in. It's a battle to actually make time for people. That's why I actually really enjoy Thursdays, just coming here, having tea and coffee. So whenever we're not serving people with the food bank and connecting with them emotionally with the food bank, you know what, we're actually connecting together as a group of people. We're actually knowing, getting to know each other's journey more and more. We get to know, um, you know, what's happening in people's lives. Because the devil wants to make you so busy being busy that you're not being busy about the things we need to be busy about. If you can follow that one. There's a lot of busies there. We can't be busy doing nothing. We have to be busy loving people. It's all about the love of people. We're meant to invest our lives in other people's lives. So my challenge to you is, whose life are you investing in? Whose life are you consciously thinking about, saying, I'm gonna plant some seeds in their life. I'm gonna give them some of the hope that I have in my life. I learned this at church this week. I'm gonna just mention it uh, in passing to this person. Who are you consciously, actively investing in? Which of your friends who you sit with throughout the week are you actually building up? Are you actually encouraging? Because that's what Paul's letter's for. He's saying, I can't physically be there, but this is my heart. This is what I want to share with you. That's why he wrote Thessalonians. That's why he wrote many of the books that he wrote. Because he couldn't be everywhere. Whether it's for persecution reasons or whether it's for other reasons. He just couldn't be everywhere. And the thing is, if you can, if you can say, I can't consciously think about somebody who I'm investing in, pray. Say, God, allow me to meet someone or bring someone to my mind or my heart that I can consciously pray over investing in. Because if we don't consciously do it, if we don't consciously think, how am I going to do this? You'll never actually do it. Because the devil will distract you by having a busy life. We can all be busy. But we have to be busy about God's things. So how do we do it? Well, we need to remember what it says at the end of chapter two first, because we don't want to fall into traps. 
Because the enemy, the devil, sets traps for us to fall into. Sure, just go to church. Sure, just do this. Just serve this way. Just serve that way. Just be this. Just be that. And we don't want to get caught in these traps of just doing. This is why we need to remember, for what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? So basically saying, why would we do this? He says, is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. So what the Apostle Paul's saying is, whenever I come into God's presence, I'm bringing you with me. Maybe not physically, but you're bringing them into God's presence because of who you are and because of what you carry. You carry the hope of the world. You carry the love of Jesus. So the thing is, you actually carry them into the presence of God, even if they don't realize it. Even if they just think that you're just sharing a loving word with them and you're just encouraging them and befriending them and being with them. You know what? They, the people that do not yet know Jesus, are our glory. They are our joy. That's why I love it whenever you meet a new Christian because they're absolutely buzzing. They're absolutely, they, they can't get over that's why if you go to the opposite extreme, somebody who's maybe been in church their whole life and heard the story their whole life and just they just sort of sit solemnly in church. They don't get that it's supposed to be one of the most joy-filled, amazingly impactful things that can ever happen to you is to know the love of God. But we get dull to it, don't we? We forget how much joy it's meant to bring us. Tonight, if you've accepted Jesus as your saviour, you're free. You're absolutely free to do anything you want. God has taken every chain off of you. And he's saying, just come and follow me. He's saying, go into all the world and tell everybody the good news. It's good news. It's the gospel. That's what good news means. But we forget that. We get bogged down with life. We get bogged down with monotony. We get bogged down with doing things for the sake of doing things instead of doing things out of a place where we're filled with the joy of the Lord. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And what's our joy? Our joy is people knowing God. People who don't yet know God coming to know God. So the challenge is, when's the last time we introduced someone to God? When's the last time we actually prayed with someone who doesn't yet know God? When's the last time we actually shared some of the Bible stories or some of the teaching that we've learnt about God with someone who doesn't yet know God. That is our joy. That is, I think, why sometimes we can get so solemn in church. Now, solemn is totally different than reverence. Reverence is very good. To be solemn just basically means you've got a sour face. You know, and I don't want, I don't want people, I don't want you to be sour about church. I don't want you to be coming to church for the sake of coming to church. I was in a church a few weeks ago, and I was sharing with them, uh, you know, shared with them, um, I was, you know, preaching. And afterwards, I got talking to one or two of them. And every, there was this one man who, who just came up to me, and all he talked about was filling the church with people. And I had to, I had to, in love, because I know exactly what he meant. Obviously, he wanted people to be coming in and falling in love with God and filling the church. 
But he was so concerned with filling the church with people, he forgot about the love of God. He forgot to mention the love of God. And I said, look, people nowadays maybe don't respond in the same way of coming out to church on a Sunday and filling a church on a Sunday. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. I'm just saying today's generation is totally different. The way we reach today's generation is totally different. So if your only aim is to fill a church full of people, you can put on an amazing entertainment program that will bring people, but you're not actually connecting them with the love of God. You're just giving them something to entertain them. This is why we are who God chooses to work through. This is why we as the church need to live life on life with our friends and our family. This is why we as the church need to actually show people the love of God and the salvation that God has placed in our lives. That is why Jesus turned to everybody and said, you are the light of the world. He didn't say the temple in Jerusalem is the light of the world. He didn't say, you know, St. Paul's and Gornal. He didn't say anywhere, any specific place is the, is the light of God. He said, you are the light of the world. You, I, are we letting our light shine? Do we care enough with people to send them resources? So after he said, after he shares his heart saying, I long to be with you, he said, but because I couldn't, I sent someone to you who I knew would help you, who I knew would encourage you, and he sent Timothy. So these this friends and family that you have in your lives that you care about and you love, have you given them anything? Are you giving them anything from the love of God? I want to encourage you to go this week and give them the love of God, whatever that looks like. Whether that means you pray with them, whether that means you challenge them. So if somebody's sick, sit and pray with them. If somebody, whatever they're going through, walk through it with them. Whatever teaching you've learned about the love of God, show them. Because we're all gonna be going through trials. Everybody will go through trials. And sometimes the biggest trial we have is to stop doing what we've always done. Sometimes we can be so busy doing what we've always done that we don't step into the moments that God creates for us. Because at 12 o'clock I'm meant to be at church, but at a, a quarter to 12 whenever I'm supposed to set out, I get a phone call from a friend who's in need. But we're so concerned about getting to church at 12 that we don't show love to the person on the phone at quarter to 12. I'm not saying don't go to church, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't, uh, you know, don't invest in, a, a, in the people in your church because we are the church of God. We are meant to encourage each other and bless each other and build each other up. But there's a world out there in need. Are we really showing them the love of God if we distance ourselves from them in their hour of need whenever they need help? You know what? In this world, spirituality is very popular. However, Christianity in our area seems to have been in a decline. But all you need to do is look at some of the pubs and some of the stuff in the area, and there's people wanting to know about spirituality. People want, you know, all of these dark arts. 
that basically, so people read their stars all the time. Like, oh, I'm a Taurus, I'm a Capricorn, I'm a whatever. And, they, and they're reading their stars and they're trying to gleam stuff out of it. Same as it was in Jesus' day. It's still as popular. All of these different things. People are trying to find out some meaning in their life, some higher purpose. They're trying to find out some higher spiritual power. That's why they go to psychic nights. That's why they go on ghost walks. That's why at this season of Halloween, there's so many people going about and there's so much dark spirituality going around at the minute. There's so many witch covens and stuff like that doing spiritual acts, even as close as a beacon and Sedgley and stuff like that. They're, do, they're doing different things. This is why we need to let our light shine. This is why we need to be actually engaging with people one-on-one. -on -one. So whenever they say, whenever they say, oh, I'm trying to find out about this, you can share with them what the Bible says about that. This is what we're meant to be, life on life. It comes down to the nitty gritty of everyday life. Even if it's just as nice as putting your neighbor's bin out who struggles to put their bin out, you can do that for them in love. It's as simple as that. It's not about going to a building a few times a week. It's not about um, filling your life full of activities that don't actually impact people. You know what? It says, uh, from verse 6, it goes on and says, But Timothy has just, uh, has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all of our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that, you, uh, that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Joy is found in celebrating the relationships that we build. We need to stop thinking programs and start thinking people as a church. That is what we need to do. We need to invest in people. We need to build these relationships and connect with their hearts. So as when I said earlier, when they hurt, we feel the pain because we're not connected with them. And you know what, it's been brilliant for Katie and I over the last month to feel the support of all of you as we've gone through a terrible time. Because the people who have been through that have opened up their hearts to us and, we've, and have connected with our pain through their own and through their own journeys. So we've, we've been so encouraged by that. And that's what it's about. It's about connecting with God through everything. If we look at verse 8 and 9, it says, For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. Whenever we find someone and we introduce them to God, and then we see they're going on with God, that is when our lives really come alive. Because they've seen God in us, and they've put it into practice. They've seen God in us, and they've accepted that for themselves. 
It says in verse 9, How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of God because of you? Our life has to be in people. We need to come to God pleading for those around us to connect with God. Whenever we're in God's presence, whenever we're here tonight and we're praying, whenever in the prayer meeting or whenever we're at home in our prayer times, whenever we're connecting with God, we need to pray that God will move in people's lives and that we can see that God is working in their lives because it encourages us so we do it more and we do it stronger and we do it with more confidence and we share that in confidence the love that God's placed in us because if we don't if we don't share nobody's going to know if you don't share the love of God nobody's going to know if you don't share the hope that God's placed in you nobody's going to know they're not going to find out that's the honest truth that's why prayer needs to be a celebration of what God's done. And then once we celebrate what God's done, we can go, okay, God, what are you doing now? God, thank you for doing this in my life. That's why we celebrate the past. That's why we celebrate the moves of God that has happened in the past. And this is where the church in our land has lost its way because it's become about, that's not the way it used to be, or that's, this is what used to happen. This is what has happened. This is where we are now. Instead of going, God, we're here now. Use me. What can I do? How can I influence the people around me? We need to change our perspective from remembering and celebrating the past and holding to the past. We've got to hold it with open hands. It's not that what had happened was bad, because what had happened was brilliant. But if God wants to remove something that has happened so that he can make room for other things to happen, we need to hold our hands openly to him. We need to stand in God's presence and celebrate the people that are in our life right now. We need to pray thanks for them. We need to pray joy in their lives. We need to pray happiness in their lives. We need to pray God's movement in their lives because it's, it's about God's presence. And it finishes by saying, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father, our Lord Jesus, when he comes with all of his holy ones. See, primarily, we need to find our strength in God. So if you're feeling weak today, come to God and be refreshed. Isaiah 40 says that, that God will strengthen those who wait on him. They'll rise up on wings like eagles. That is why we need to come to God. That is why you need to come to God on a daily basis and say, strengthen my hands, Lord. You know, give me strength to do what I need to today whether you know what it's going to be or whether you're going in faith. You just need to trust that God will use you wherever you go, as you shine his light, as you declare his love, as you tell those people around you what you have in Jesus. 
as you mentor younger people and show them the love of God and teach them from the journey that you've been on. So that brings me back to who are you investing in? Who are you giving your life to? Who are you giving things to? You need to pass it on. Otherwise, we will just become, in essence, fat Christians who just become greedy and gluttons on the word of God. Because we're not sharing it with anyone. We're just keeping all the good stuff for ourselves. And that's not the, that's not the message of Jesus. This news is so good that it's for the whole world. And then we will find and we will get more strength from the stories of people saying, I didn't know God, but now I do. I was here, but Jesus has rescued me. I was an alcoholic, but God saved me. I was a drug addict, but God saved me through that person showing me love and caring about me. That is the story of people's lives that are going to be transformed by you loving them in the name of Jesus. If you love people in the name of Jesus, they will see God. Because what did Jesus say? It's by your love that they will know that you're my disciples. That's what Jesus said. Are we full of the love of God? Are we really his disciples? Let's pray together. God, thank you for your anointing. Thank you, God, that you choose to come and use broken people like us to share your love. You were looking at a bunch of broken people when you said, you are the light of the world. A city set in a hill cannot be hidden. So God, we just ask you just to shine your light in us and through us. Shine the, the light of your love through our lives, God. God, give us the courage to declare to our friends and our family and to those people who do not yet know you that you love them, that you care for them, and that you have a purpose for their lives. You have a hope for their lives. You have a plan to prosper them, not to harm them. God, I pray that we can just change people's perspective of you by the way we live our lives, by the way we declare to others your love. Because God, we want to be so full of joy because of the people turning to you, by the people who were alcoholics who are now free, those who were drug addicts but are now free, those who were anything but are now free. God, bring your freedom in our lives so we can live freely in front of others. And let us serve you in the powerful name of Jesus, who we love. Amen. Amen.